I'm Heather. And I'm Corey. And we like movies and talking about movies and movie trivia and just about anything related to pop culture. So welcome to Movie Shelf. Today we're chatting about Green Book. And we'll also talk about how you can't trust the side concession stands at the movie theater. Because we've both been burned. <laughs> and we'll also chat about some of the trailers that we saw. And, of course, enjoy a side of bacon. I love that part. All right, Corey. Plain and simple. Did you like it or not like it? I really liked it. So did I. I thought it was a really good movie. Really fun. Before we really dive into what we liked about the movie, first, what is the Green Book? So it was very subtle in the movie, but you know, it, the Green Book was something that they did use in the movie. And even the Green Book was a book that was written in the 40s by a black postman. And it was like a guide for black people through their journey through particularly the southern states. As far as here are some safe places for you to go eat. Here are some safe places for you to lodge for the night. Even places like here are some preferred places for you to get gas for your car. Gas and repair. And that's, you know, and that's because they would come across these white owned businesses that would refuse service to them. Yeah. And so they needed, of course, places where they could travel to. Maybe even where you go buy your clothes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So where would you like about the movie? Well, you know, I am particularly a softie for a movie that breaks down racial walls. You know, I have a soft spot for movies like Remember the Titans, 42, The Power of One, even Gran Torino in its own way. Because, you know, I, I look forward to the day of Martin Luther King's dream of where he says, where there's no more black people, there's no more white people, and, you know, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, Polynesian, whatever. We're just people. Mm-hmm. I think having our cultures and our history is definitely good. But yeah, we are people and and we should just treat each other with kindness. Um that's usually my my mantra. Um you know for life and dignity to come with. Dignity. Yes. So on that subject of dignity, <laughs> um one thing I really liked about the movie is there were there were a lot of great I don't want to say one-liners because they weren't necessarily catchy little um, phrases, but there were moments where statements were made and they were very powerful statements. And so one of them that I do remember, um, cause as I was watching, I was like, ah, too bad. I can't be taking notes. Cause that would have been a little difficult in a dark theater. Um, but one that I did remember was when they're in the jail cell and the, um, Dr. Shirley character talks about dignity. He talks about that his mother taught him that, you know, issues are not won by violence. They're won by dignity. Um, because, you know, the reason why they're in the jail cell at the moment is because of violence. That, you know, Tony's character... Tony Lip lost his <laughs> dignity yes. for a moment. Um, and that is something we do see, for the most part, um, throughout the movie. The Dr. Shirley character does have a lot of dignity. He... Um, we, as he, you know, he's a musician, so he's a pianist. And as he's playing the piano, you see, you can see anger in his playing. You see him letting out these emotions. And then he finishes and he flashes a very beautiful smile. When it comes to dignity, when they first introduced him to an audience, I mean, did they, did they name three doctorates? I was like, wow. Yeah, he has, <laughs> there's a few. Um, I can't I know one was psychology. One was music. 
yeah, and I can't remember the other one. But yeah, he's a very well-educated man. Extremely. Um, Well-spoken man. And um, he can, you know, you can help write letters. And even when you're first introduced to the character, it's like... Wow, I mean, I mean, he lives in this mini Taj Mahal. That's a floor above Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall. I mean, good grief. <laughs> yeah, he he's definitely he doesn't have the average Daily Joe's life. And we, Any Daily Joe. <laughs> and we, there, there, his background was there's not too much re- reveal in his background, but you almost get the sense that maybe he was raised with a silver spoon in his mouth, possibly. But yeah, but we're it, not sure. It's not conclusive. We don't know. He talked a little bit about his growing up yeah um but i yeah i'm not we're not really sure much about that and i think one thing i looked up a little bit about the movie um because of course since it's touting as it's based on an you know or inspired i think is outworded inspired by a true story and yeah, i think it did say base i think it, well i think it said inspired but anyway because of that that made me wonder like oh how accurate is this so of course i did a little researching and um i learned that the so the tony um character his son in real life um was one of the co-writers i think for the story uh, for the movie so one thing to keep in mind is that it may be accurate on that level but it's also from Kind of one side of the story. Well, obviously, from the perspective, from the stories his dad told him. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure he interacted even with yeah. Dr. Shirley because yeah. definitely a friendship evolved. Um, so for for me, also one thing, more than it being a story of, you know, race and the prejudices that are, that, that was brewing at that time, it's also a story of friendship um, because they're essentially on a road trip. Definitely. They're stuck in the car for a long time, which means they're talking, especially the Tony character. He is a talker. <laughs> Even when he's asked to shut up. He's a talker and an eater. Lots of stuff. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so to touch on the eating aspect, yeah, this guy loved to eat. And there was even a moment in the movie where I leaned over to him and I asked you, is, is Vico Morrison wearing a, a fat vest or did he, like, pig out for this role? <laughs> We're not sure. <laughs> so, well, Vigo did a great job. But yeah, the Tony character, he's very lively and um, definitely loves his food. But one thing I liked about this movie is that it's very conversational. Because, again, a large part of the movie is them in the car. Um, and, of course, there's other scenes outside the car. And, you know, one of the things I loved about the movie is that this is a movie that adds another layer to the acting range of at least Vigo Mortensen. You know, I'm a huge fan of his. Of course, for me, he'll you know always be the benevolent king of Middle Earth, and he also has very diverse roles in his past. You know, from playing a mob hitman to a brutal Navy SEAL instructor. So this is just another really good layer that adds to his range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. Um, in fact, um, he hasn't won an Academy Award, but he's been nominated a couple of times. Um, and I do know at least for one of those movies. It's, he's definitely an interesting character. In fact, he's usually, as you mentioned, an interesting character in just about any of his movies. Yeah. Um, I remember watching, you know, The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, when he made that speech to the um, his men, I guess you could say. His, Which you sometimes coin as his Braveheart speech. Yeah, that's his Braveheart speech. <laughs> um, I even, I think, mentioned to you, I was like, he, that, that's an Oscar-winning speech there. Yeah. He wasn't even nominated for that, for that movie, but... It was still a very powerful performance, and he's a lot of fun. Definitely. 
And um, we're not as familiar with Mahershala Ali. Yes. Um, I know we we saw him in Hidden Figures. He was the love interest. Um, uh, and I, I know he got the Academy Award for his performance in Moonlight, which I do want to see that movie, but we haven't seen it yet. Um, but I'm sure there's plenty more um, to come from Mahershala. Um, and I, he's already done a lot. We just haven't seen a lot of his performances quite yet. And if anything, this movie would definitely put him on a lot more casting call directors festivals. yeah I mean yes. I think it definitely it, it'll put him on a broader radar yes I'm sure he's already been on other people's radars well, yeah. once you get the award yeah you're put on everybody's yeah. radar <laughs> I'm sure we're seeing I mean apparently he's going to be in that um, in the Spider-Verse as a voice I guess in that movie coming up and can't wait so that'll be fun but they both gave a lot of great performances. In addition to that, the music was really powerful for me. Um, it almost even played an additional character for them in yep. the story. Um, you had, of course, classical music. Music. You had pop classical music, and then, of course, you had good old rock and roll of the '60s. And having recently seen Bohemian Rhapsody movie, I almost enjoyed the musical performances in this movie more than that movie. Yeah, although. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody was is Queen, and we, of course, love Queen. So, yeah, we have all that music. But this one was definitely a lot of fun. I, I think as I was watching the movie, I was thinking, this would be a great soundtrack to add, because I do like soundtracks. You know, growing up, when I would get my CDs when I was in high school, I would first usually get a soundtrack. Um, you know, like the Forrest Gump soundtrack, the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, all sorts of soundtracks. And this movie actually made me curious to want to look up the album that was prominently mentioned or in that movie. Yeah. Or yeah. he's in the underworld, as yeah. it was titled, I believe. Or the orphans. As, um, it's <laughs> the orphans around the campfire, as they call it. <laughs> um, so that was definitely a fun little bit. So they, um, I think this movie did bring a lot of um, things to light, whether it's making you think about, you know, racial type of things or prejudice types of things, um, things that are no longer in effect um, but then maybe some things that are still happening today that we need to still fix. And then also culturally, um, you know, you had the Tony character who's from the Bronx. You know, he works in a nightclub as the, the, the muscle to, you know, the Dr. Shirley character, as we talked about before, is almost in this castle. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, this very, very rich fancy environment um and these two unlikely characters meet and develop a great friendship it's almost a a reversal of the stereotypes at the time because like i said nick is the the white mob hitman who's tony 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 not nick Nick oh nick was the son that's right where you have tony the lip who was you know raised in a poor just tony lip he explained (laughs) that's right tony lip not tony the lip that sounds too (laughs) too mob that's like Mac the Knife or something. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's raised in a very humble origins in, in the Bronx and so forth. And then you have Dr. Shirley, who lives in this little mini Taj Mahal over... Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall. I, I don't know why I keep stuff on it. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, even though that Dr. Shirley is a black man, he's almost out of touch with his own culture. Because yeah. Tony is like introducing him to music to buy a little Richard or a little, yeah, a little Richard, Aretha Franklin. Um James Brown. Yeah, James Brown. And even though he knew of those people, he was not familiar with their music, ironically. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think one thing that even Dr. Shirley kind of touches upon in that movie is he talks about almost being against some of that. Like, he didn't want to be that type of pianist. 
you know, he wanted to be this type of pianist, you know, but then where does his passion really lie? So that's, I think, one of the things that you see him struggling with. There's a lot that you see the Dr. Shirley character struggle yeah. with in this movie. He's got a lot, just like of that album with the, the demons or the orphans. Um, <laughs> he's got a lot of personal demons. And you see him going through that and struggling with that. And he doesn't really have... You see that he doesn't really have an outlet. So I think that's something that you all... There's growth there. You see him working through things. And I think part of that is finding that friendship with Tony. Okay. What's the verdict? Does it make the shelf or not for you? Oh, gosh. You know, I, I haven't actually thought about that until you asked me that just now. It's going to be close. It's, it's, it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. I, I, I think I can understand how you feel. Um, I, I actually wrote on my notes here, yes, it made the shelf. Um, whether it makes the physical shelf or just my figurative, you know, movie shelf in my mind. Yeah. Um, I think the more and more we've talked about it has better secured its place on the shelf. I know we haven't talked about this category, but for me, it, it would definitely be a digital buy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's, <laughs> we have our digital movies too. Cause then we can watch them anywhere. You know, one nice aspect, it's PG-13, so we can kind of watch it with just about any, you know, audience. Um, And There's only maybe one very short taboo scene that I can think of. (laughs) It's so dialogue heavy, and I really like dialogue movies. Um, It's It maybe not isn't the same as, like, a Tarantino dialogue movie. Oh, yes. Because those are just fantastic. I mean, you get a little bit of that with this movie, mainly because, you know, again, they're in the car. You can just yeah. listen to them talking in the car. And the Tony character is just such a fun character to listen to anyway. <laughs> um, so I think that's one thing that's really helpful for it. Um, and then also, we talked about this a little bit, but the music is so great. And sometimes even if a movie isn't so isn't super great, if the music is, it just kind of makes it all better. Yeah, in my mind, that's what saved Bohemian Rhapsody. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can't go wrong with Queen music. Um, I think also when we watched um, Get On Up, I mean, just the the movie itself, the story and learning a little bit about James Brown's history and, and whatnot and how he came to be how he was, uh, was one thing. But getting all that music was really the fun. the performance of yeah. the music, yeah. Yeah, that was that really was fun. So this one had its, it had its music as well. It had its talking about the music. And it also had its performance of the music. So that was a lot of fun as well. All right, so we have our side note for a moment, our, our PSA, I guess you could say. You can't trust these side concession stands. So most theaters we go to it seems to have those now. I'm not sure about Harkins. Does Harkins have a side concession? I don't think so. I think Harkins, okay. um, it's not too big of a theater, I guess. So the, the but movie, most of the other ones seems to have the, the yeah, side Yeah, at least the Cinemark one. Yes, and Tinseltown. Well, that's Cinemark. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we went there, and we don't normally go to the side concession stands. But we're actually kind of 
kind of suggested to do so yes, by the, the, the ticket person, person let us know that the side concession stand was open and we we're like oh great and it was convenient because it was ne- right next to our theater that we were going into yes. so we decided okay we'll trust it well we get there and oh my goodness it was a long it wasn't i mean it was a long line but it was really it was a slow line yes that was the main thing i think you only had like one maybe two people ahead of you yes all Just i know one. is i went to the restroom and came back and you were in the same spot yeah that one person was still in front of me <laughs> Getting their order. And then we get there, and I had already been talking to you about the one item I wanted from the concession stand. Your pretzel bites. My pretzel bites, because they're really good there. And I, you know, let you know, that's what I want. And then we learn they didn't have them on the side concession stand. You had to go to the main one for that one. Yeah. So I popped in. I was like, they're not doing the previews yet, so I'll go down there. And Which... Ordering them was actually very quick, but man, I had to wait for them. <sighs> so that, that's the moment when you got burned by the side concession. The yes. moment that I got burned by the side concession is that they didn't have cherry coke at the <gasps> side concession. That was particularly yeah. at, at Tinseltown. Yes, at the time. <laughs> so those darn side concessions can't trust them. <laughs> um, but at least we did get to see our movie. Corey was able to get into the theater before me and take some notes on our, you know, what was coming soon. All the previews that were coming. So speaking of coming soon. Oh gosh, this this was ridiculous. I mean, the preview just went on and on with this movie. There were eight previews. Hey, uh, now I, I normally don't count them, in, you because know, you know, I never had to before. But but yeah, you know, that, that, that's just a lot for uh, going to see a movie. Seems like. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what's coming soon. All right, so some of the movies that we wanted to mention, because there were a lot, we're not going to talk about all eight of them. Um, but one I'm really intrigued by, and I had seen, I think, a teaser for it before, and now I saw a little bit more in-depth of a preview, I think, um, is Peter Jackson's They Shall Not Grow Old. And I guess ultimately this is a documentary, I think is how they're billing it, perhaps. So if you're not familiar with this, this is, he's taken... 100-year-old footage of World War One, video footage and photos, I think, and then enhancing them, colorizing them, um, and well, it just... He, he's done a whole slew of digital magic here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, there, I mean there's a lot of layers of digital magic done to these films, but still done based on these old footage. Yeah, he's putting a Lord of the Rings quality to these videos. No, no doubt. Um, and they just, they look amazing as I watch them. You know, I'm quick to think, oh, I'd, I'd like to see this with my dad because I just think he would really find it intriguing. And, um, and of course, he would, he knows everything, so he'd be able to explain everything. Um, but they look beautiful. They almost don't look real to me um, because when you're in history class growing up and you see all the old footage, video footage or old photos it's all black and white and so it's kind of that Wizard of Oz mentality I think that you know that's what life was it was black and white how can it be color and then when they put all this color into it it, it's like it's just just, it looks like a just a movie almost yes it's just not the color I mean I mean when you look at the before and after there's there's a lot of cleaning up a lot of Mm -hmm. smoothing out to make a look a lot more and they add dialogue to it in a sense I don't know um, there was a scene where, because I assume it was silent, or you know, or I'm not sure, but there's a scene where they've added dialogue, and it's almost as if they took what that person, you know, if you were reading lips, so knowing what that person is saying, and then adding some dialogue to it so that you can hear what they're saying, and then of course there's someone narrating. I'm not sure who's narrating, um, but anyway, so definitely looks interesting. 
All right, so another movie that's on our radar from the previews we saw is Marwin. So this is Steve Carell um, and a handful of women actresses um, that I can't remember all their names, but it's basically um, if you're not if you haven't seen it, he's he was attacked. Um, I don't know why he was attacked. And but he was attacked. I think he was in a bar, and he was attacked to the point um, he received lots of head in, like a lot of head injury. So he lost all his memories prior to the attack. So he creates this world with using action figures, and um, and I think he attributes to all the women that are in his life that are helping him through this process. Um, so it's him and his little his adventures. Um, so anyway, so so each real woman in his life is. Also portrayed through a little female action figure. Yeah, they look like little Barbies. <laughs> he looks like a G.I. Joe, but they look like Barbies. Yeah. Um, so it definitely, it, it looks dramatic, but also very sweet. And surreal. Visually beautiful. Worlds. Yes. Because um, each of these little action figures are digitized in some way. So they are talking and, you know, moving, I guess you could say. Um, but it also, and Steve Carell... He is such a dynamic actor. You know, he's not just a comedian. No, definitely not. By far. I think one of our favorite movies of his is Dan in Real Life, which is a dramedy, I think, probably, is might be how it's categorized. Yeah, there are funny parts, but it's ultimately a drama. Yeah. You know, he's kind of working through some things. The next one on my list, I think, is on your radar, Corey, A Dog's Way Home. Oh, yeah, Dog's Way Home. You know, so, yeah, I'm a sucker for movies that breaks down race relations. I'm also a sucker for... Touchy feely dog movies. So I think you're a sucker for any touchy feeling movie, but <laughs> yeah, let's not go that far. But uh, but this movie looks like it's a it's a mixing of a dog's purpose. Yeah, a dog's purpose and Homeward Bound. So there, it's definitely seemed like a mixing of those two movies, and you know that the the, uh, the dog definitely gets lost and has some adventures while he's yeah. Finding his way home. Outside of that, we are not too sure what all's going on in the movie. That that, that may be the whole premise <laughs> of the movie, you know. But it, it, look, it looks really looks really sweet and look, definitely looks like a movie that'll be tugging on the heartstrings and so forth. So, and now it's time for our picks of the week. All right, Corey, we'll start with you this time. Okay, what's your pick for the week? So, reflecting on this movie again, I love a movie that breaks down racial barriers. Uh, reflecting on that theme. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to pick one that's obvious that most people have seen. I'm sure that most people have seen Remember the Times. I'm sure most people have seen Forty Two. So I'm going to pick a little, one that's probably a little bit more obscure and go with Grand Torino. That's a good movie, and it's Clint Eastwood. And Clint Eastwood. So why Grand Torino? Well, in that movie, Clint Eastwood's character uh, definitely has uh, some prejudice issues. Uh, a lot of that coming from the from, from him being in the Korean War, and. But as the movie progresses, he goes through a lot of interactions, which breaks down a lot of those barriers. Also, like the movie because there's a lot of parallel between Clint Eastwood characters and my dad. My dad also having served in Korea, and when I was young, it was pretty prevalent that he also has some prejudice issues. And as I got older, I would say that you know he did improve, and a lot of those issues did go away. To to some extent, <laughs> not all the way, but uh, but yeah, there, there are a lot of parallels, and it's uh, also a, a really good movie. All right, so my pick for the week 
um, thinking about the music that I so enjoyed in this movie. Oh, so you're flashbacking with the music aspect of the movie. Yes. Okay. So my pick is Immortal Beloved. And this is the story of Beethoven, played by Gary Oldman. Yes, another great Gary Oldman performance. Yes, Gary Oldman is amazing. Another very versatile actor. Yeah, and um, just about anything he's in, I seem to like. And um, he's it's exploring the loves of Beethoven. So I don't really know how historically accurate it is, but it's an epic movie. So it's spanning many, many years. And it's, um, I think the, the main... Not necessarily the main person, because the main person is Gary Oldman as Beethoven. But there's a person trying to learn who is the immortal beloved. Yes. Um, And so he's going through lots of different stories throughout the entire life of Gary Oldman. Or of Beethoven, sorry. And of course, I should say there is another movie with wonderful music performances as well. (laughs) It's, It's a lot of fun. Definitely check it out. So that's my pick for the week. Good pick. And now it's time... For a side of bacon. Mmm, bacon. First off, let's reveal last week's side of bacon. Our task was we had to connect Liam Hemsworth to Clint Eastwood. Yes. So the way we usually do this is, you know, usually I'll come up with or we'll come up with a connection that might have, you know, more movies in it that we want. Normally we only want, you know, a two, maybe three movie connection. Three's kind of pushing it. Well, so my quick and dirty connection is Liam Hemsworth to Josh Hutchinson in Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And then Josh to Josh Hutchinson to Robin Williams in RV. And then Robin Williams to Gene Hackman in The Birdcage. And then Gene Hackman to Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven. So there's your connection. Well, is that four movies? That is four movies. That's, that's not a really good connection, though. Oh, that, that, that's kind of slacking on your behalf. Yeah, so so that's the quick and dirty. And then Corey <laughs> had this like stroke of genius and was able to come up with two and, and you're a witness. I was able to do this without any help yeah, from the internet. Yeah, no help. He just, all of a sudden, the, the light bulb, bulb came on over my head. Yes. Yeah. So so what's your connection, Corey? <laughs> okay, so you got Liam Silverworth to Donald Sutherland in any one of the hand of the Hunger Games movies. Well, there's there's three. Um, actually, four, because the last book was a two-parter. That's right, two-parter. Four movies. And then you have Donald Sutherland. To Clint Eastwood in Space Cowboys. Oh, Space Cowboys. Which has a handful of those good old old fogey movies <laughs> of our average actors. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's a lot of fun. So, yeah, that one has Clint Eastwood and, of course, Donald Sutherland. It also has even um, Tommy Lee Jones and James Garner. So, you yep. got all those four guys in that movie. Yep. So, that's just, uh, that's just using two movies there. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. That was pretty impressive. I don't think there's probably a Liam and Clint Eastwood movie. I would really doubt it. We have to consult the Oracle on the I'd really doubt they'll be in the same movie. So <laughs> two is about as low as you're going to get. That's a pretty good connection. So good job, Corey. You definitely get the win this week. So for this week's Side of Bacon, thinking about this movie, um, Vigo, of course, has definitely been on my mind. So I'm just oh. going to go with Vigo Mortensen. Oh, okay. Easy picks, as we've been talking about all during the cast um so just as a really quick history on the baking game it was started by these guys that i think they actually oh, you did research i think they actually run the uh <laughs> i don't think they run the imdb network but they created an algorithm using the imdb network to come up with actors that have high linkability 
and they went with Kevin Bacon, but he was actually the second highest oh. linkable actor because they thought that the one that actually came out in its algorithm as the highest linkability is a little bit older fashioned, not has as many current movies out, but actually the highest linkable actor is Christopher, Christopher Lee. So this should be, oh, oh, we can't do that. I, that's going to be the same movie. Yeah, you can't do him. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so pick a new actor, Corey. <laughs> I had pre-selected this actor, and then <laughs> he come with Vigo. And, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Can I still have Vigo? You can still have Vigo, but you know, I had already pre-selected Christopher Lee as, as, as my actor, but then, yeah, that just makes it way too easy. So i got to come with somebody else to make this a little bit more challenging. All right, hold on here. Okay, so as I can't use the highest linkable actor in the algorithm, I'm actually going to go with their second choice. I'm going to say Kevin Bacon. Oh, so you're going to really make it some bacon for this side yes. of bacon. So, Vigo Mortensen to Kevin, Kevin bacon. bacon. Yes. All right, so we'll work on that and reveal our answer in next our next podcast. Yes. Thanks for listening to Movie Shelf. And if you would, please click the subscribe and share with your friends. And definitely check our page for links to some of the movie trailers that we talked about, as well as information about the episode. Added little tidbits in print. (laughs) We'll catch you next time, you guys. Bye. Bye.